You're listening to the Beam Life Podcast. O-M-G, Beam Babe. I feel like you are about to listen to Days of Our Lives, a story that when you hear it at first, you're like, no, that's not possible. Well, let me tell you, it is possible. I have Diana Cannon Ragsdale with us today. She is the author of Loose Cannons, a book coming out in 2022. It is a memoir about her life. I don't want to give it all away, but just to give you a small insight as to how deep we're going to go today, Diana didn't even realize who her biological father was until she was 34 years old. Now, at first, when you hear that, you might think, okay, that's crazy, but here's the deal. She was raised by a man who she thought was her father in a very traditional Mormon family. Later to find out her parents were swingers in the 50s and 60s, and she is the product of one of the men in the swinging group. If this doesn't have you hooked already, let me tell you, we also talk about forgiveness, overcoming childhood trauma, overcoming mental illness that stems super deep in the family, self-discovery, remarried. Diana has been married four times and has five children, uh, three of her own and two stepchildren and seven grandchildren. So she is definitely a woman who can give insight on life, relationships, and all the things. And I feel so lucky to have her on the Beam Life podcast. So if you're ready, babe, let's get this party started. Hi, Beam Babe. I am so excited you are here with us today. I have Diana Cannon Ragsdale, and I hope that you are doing something right now where you can stop and listen to this incredible story. She was introduced to me through a mutual friend, and when I heard even just a screenshot of this story, I was floored that not only is this woman survived this, you know, insane story, which she's going to talk about, but also that she is now, you know, helping to heal others and has written her story and her truth and put it out there and is claiming her own path. And it's so incredibly inspiring when I see another woman take a script that was given to her from a family, from, you know, her Mormon upbringing. And then she's decided to not claim all of that story, but take the parts that are important and then make it into this beautiful woman that she is today. Um, She is a soon to be author of a published book called Loose Cannons, which I know after hearing, you're going to want to grab it as soon as it comes out. So Without further ado, Diana, I'm so excited you're here. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. So tell the Beam Babes listening, like, it's so hard as, you know, we were talking on the pre-podcast to sum you up, but Mm -hmm. take us through a timeline of young Diana to now and, and who you are. Okay. So I am talking to you from Salt Lake City, Utah. I was not born in Salt Lake, but when I was two, we moved to Salt Lake and there's a whole story behind that. But I've been in Salt Lake most of my life and lived in various parts of Utah, but mostly Salt Lake City. 
And I just, um, I feel like it has been the last 10 years that I've kind of come to know myself. And part of that's been through writing my story and all of the research that went into that. Um, when I was in my 20s and 30s and raising my kids, mostly as a single mother, I had zero memory of my childhood, like almost nothing. So I really didn't remember any of my younger years and mm. probably till I was really about in junior high, it was just kind of just not there. And I didn't think that was really weird, but I was just so busy that I, and distracted that I didn't really, you know, think about it or think it was weird. Um, my life kind of fell apart in my mid thirties and we can get into why. And that's when the proverbial, am I allowed to swear? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Because that will happen often, but that's when the proverbial shit hit the fan for me. And, you know, everybody has kind of their moment in time where they, you know, kind of have to do some self-discovery. But for me, it was in my mid thirties and, I mean, the poor people I dragged in through the mud, through that process, but, you know, I think everybody survived it, but, you know, I'm so happy it happened and it, it did lead me into trying to figure out why my life had gone the way it had and who I really was and why I was missing such a big chunk of who I was and the story. And, and it turns out that nobody was being honest with me my whole life about, mm. about anything. And so God bless my mother. She had done a lot of therapy and recovery work and was willing to be honest with me and talk to me. And through her, I was able to kind of recover a lot of the missing pieces. And then she kept journals. So I have 40 of her journals of every sort of detail. And so that helped me once she passed away to kind of get through what we didn't have a chance to talk about. Sure. So tell us a little more about, you said you had this kind of opening experience in your thirties. And I find it really fascinating because I'm also in my thirties. And now when you were going through that experience and Brene Brown calls it sort of like, a, you know, a midlife awakening instead of a crisis. Mm-hmm. And even though thirties isn't what I consider midlife, it's sort of that point in life where you're kind of stepping into your own and we make big choices right. to either hang on to some old things that have created this being at present time, or we decide to make new paths for ourselves. And I decided to also take a big new path in my thirties, hence the birth of the beam life. So I want to know what you were feeling in your thirties, how this kind of came about. Was it something you were seeking or was it something that you got a hint of and you're like, I need to discover and know more about this. And then what was it that you found out? Okay. That's a great place to start. (laughs) So in my mid thirties, and I think, you know, most people are like this in their mid thirties, you're developing your career, your family's, you know, kind of off and running. And I started having children when I was fairly young. I was 22 when I had my first child. So, um, yeah, mid thirties were, were a busy, crazy time. And I kind of thrive on chaos because that's all I've known my whole life. So I didn't think it was anything abnormal. And I had just graduated from physical therapy school. 
I was raising my kids. We were living in a small town in Utah, which I didn't love, but that's where we were at the time. Right. And I just, life was good. I was, things were kind of looking up. I had my degree behind me and I was just starting into a profession and I was married to my second husband at the time. And my dad, who's a very complicated person, had called and said he was coming to town. He was just coming through town to go to a Scottish festival in a nearby town and wanted to know if he could come stay with me for the weekend while the festival was going on. Sure. So I was a little bit unthrilled because he's difficult, but you know, he's my dad and he'd never been down to see me in our new little place in our new town. So, so I agreed and that was all going fine until one night we were sitting around my kitchen table and my, uh, my husband started pouring pretty liberally scotch and my dad loves the scotch. So he drank a lot and started to get a little bit sloppy drunk. At one point, he was smoking a cigarette in my house, which I don't oh really allow. But I don't set boundaries with my dad because he's kind of scary. So, sure, so I sure. let him and he's smoking away and he puts his cigarette out on my table, not in the ashtray, but like puts it out and burns a big giant hole into my table. And I was looking oh, at it and going, my gosh. holy shit, did he just do that? And then he looked at me and said, I have something I need to tell you. And it's really serious. We need to go someplace where we can talk. Like and right there. Like, he wanted to tell you right there. Right there. Right there. My husband was there. My kids were there. And I'm like, okay. So in my mind, I'm thinking, who did yeah. he kill? Who did he, you know, <laughs> something horrible in my mind. But and it was. The one, and it was. It was horrible. But it wasn't anything I could have even imagined. So I kind of cleared the house. Everybody went to bed. It was late at night. Everybody went to bed. We still sat in the kitchen. And he proceeded to tell me that I was not his biological daughter. Oh. And not only was I not his daughter. Yeah, I'm 35 years old at this point. So not only was I not his daughter, but my younger sister was also not his biologic daughter. And I, I mean, it was just, I just listened for a long time thinking, well, I'm glad he didn't kill somebody or rape somebody. Right, right. And <laughs> so I was just kind of in shock. But then, then he continued to tell me that I was born out of an affair that my mom had while they were swingers in, in Farmington, New Mexico. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> It's just like at this point, well, like what what are what are you what are you doing? Like what is your face expression? What is like how are you feeling at that moment? Do you remember wish, or does it still feel like I shock? Mean, I remember how I felt. I wish I had been recording my facial expression because I can't even I can't even yeah. fathom what that was at the time. I'm pretty sure I welled up in tears and I kind of started shaking because my dad, for one thing, my dad's just a scary guy anyway. So sure. I was just not knowing what he was going to say next. So I just listened. I was, you know, welling up with tears. And my memory is that my first thought was, so I'm not a canon, which was a huge deal because, you know, we were raised to think that we were basically royalty in Salt Lake City, right. Utah, because right. canon's a big Utah Mormon pioneer name. Yeah. So then I was like, well, shit, I'm not a canon. That sucks. So the I love that that was one of your first thoughts. 
It was one of my first thoughts. Isn't that weird? Yeah. So lots of thoughts later, but, but yes, that was one of my yes. first thoughts. And then I was kind of wanting to know more of the story of, well, what about this swinging and who was, who is my dad? And, and then my next thought was, I think he might just be manic and he's making this up because he was right. very mentally ill and in a super manic mode most of the time. So I, and he was drunk. I thought he's making this up, but right. I couldn't understand why he would, but I really thought he was lying. So a flood of emotions. And, and really once we continued to talk through the wee hours of the night, I, I felt a lot of love for him for telling me mm-hmm. for one thing. And because I don't know if either one of them ever would, if it hadn't been for that moment, right? right. either of my parents. And I, I felt a lot of love because I'm finally, I'm finding out that he's not my dad and he's the one that stood by me. My mom abandoned us. So then all of a sudden I was like, so he's the one parent that stayed and I'm not even his kid. Mm. So what an interesting position to be in. Yeah. Yeah. I went to bed that night, just drained and then woke up the next morning pissed. I was mad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was my next question. Yeah. So it's like, what did you set, decide to like take on next? You wake up the next day, which probably feels like you were in this crazy nightmare. And then you realize yeah. it's, it wasn't and it's reality what did you do next? So I talked to my dad and said, we have to tell Melissa, who's my little sister. And um, so he agreed. And I asked him, I said, why, why are you telling me this now? And why are you telling us at all? And he just said, on his drive down to the little town was named Salina. It's right in the middle of Utah. And he said, when I was driving down to see you, something just hit me that today was the day I needed to tell you, or at least this weekend. He's like, I don't know if I thought I was going to die or I couldn't take this to my grave. And I don't know that your mother ever would have told you, but for some reason it just hit me that this was the time to tell you, you know, you're doing well in your life. I feel like you're at a good place to hear it, which he was wrong. (laughs) Right. I don't know when it would have been a good time. So yeah, I, that was the next thing I asked him. And then I just said, we have to tell Melissa. How are we going to tell Melissa? And so then that, when his visit was over, we drove back up to Salt Lake together and told my sister and she bawled and cried. And, you know, just, we were both kind of happy that we had each other at least yeah. to kind of have this to go through together. But our next move was because we didn't fully trust him was to call mom and we sprung a surprise visit on her to confront her about it. Yeah. To verify and see if she's corroborate his story, which she did. Which she did. (laughs) This must've been, I mean, I can't imagine finding this out at this present. I mean, you're like my age now. So at this point in the story, and I just cannot imagine that this entire um, version that you've created in your head about what your mm-hmm. childhood is and who your parents are all of a sudden is false. And right. yeah, I mean, I, I just, I would have been totally, I mean, it's like you got hit by a truck. It's like, what just happened? Right. Exactly. So I've heard a lot about, and I, it's happened in, to me and I've broken through a lot through therapy where there's parts of our lives that we don't remember 
but it's because our brain is meant to protect us. And that's how right. we get through trauma is that, exactly. um, cause there's chunks of my childhood where my sister or brother will remember every single detail. And I'm like, that happened. You know, I don't even remember yeah. that it happened. So I find it fascinating what we do remember as children and what we don't. Um, right. and so what did finding this piece of information out, what then later came to you? What else was uncovered after kind of, okay, here's the tip of the iceberg. I just told you this massive information, but I have a feeling that's not all you found out. And so how did the layers of this keep peeling off and did it start to make sense when you backtracked all the way through to your childhood? Okay, so it, uh, yeah, I mean, it sent me right into therapy immediately because yes. I think at the time I had a therapist, but I didn't, I didn't really want to go see a therapist in that small town because as small towns are, I was just sure that nothing would be held in confidence. Yes. <laughs> so I'm kind of a you know, more comfortable in the city where I feel like I have a little anonymity. Totally. And I was just kind of new to the area. So, um, but I did get myself into a therapist, which was a good thing because I found a new one who was a cognitive therapist mm. and yeah, he uncovered so much good stuff for me that made all of this make so much more sense. Being Because for my whole life, I, of any of the kids, well, my two brothers were pretty physically abused, but I think that was a father-son, you know, kind right. of Dynamic. situation. Yeah, and then, then there were twin sisters. They were never hit that I ever remember, nor, nor can they. But... Then there was me, and my dad used to just beat me up all the time. And I never understood why. I never knew why it was me. So I automatically tell myself I'm a bad kid. I must deserve right. it. I'm a bad kid. I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of um, scrappy, and I kind of, you know, speak my mind. So I, th I thought that was why he took it out on me. So anyway, this cognitive therapist was really good at at helping me see why I was basically the scapegoat of the family. And it's because I'm not even his kid and he's raising me. Right. But I never understood why I was the one that was, you know, kind of the punching bag. So, so therapy really helped uncover a lot of those layers, but then also just time, like it's taken me, it took me another probably 20 to 30 years to really understand who my parents were. And right the level of my dad's mental illness and the horrible things he's done. And it's just so confusing because on one hand, I'm supposed to love my father. He mm -hmm. raised me, um, you know, and when you're raised in uh, religion, you know, my father used to always say, respect their, your elders and, you know, no matter what. And I didn't, I didn't respect him. And I was mad at him because he was so mean to me and he did some really, really horrible things, not just to me, but a lot of other people. And yeah. I'm literally just probably a year ago, I found out one thing that he did that it just brought up that anger again for me. So it's like, you, you're supposed to love him. And I do on a yes. certain level. And he, he was, he tried, and I think he tried to do his best, but then here's this person that's pretty bad. Right. And so it's how to get, still get through actually, that. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure it out, but I think I've got 
pretty good understanding now of the levels. Now it's just dealing with that and knowing that they both did the best they could. What I think is so brave and it's something I heard a long time ago and it started, it made a lot of sense. And it was when we're put on this earth and we're being raised, how we come to be is we have three ways of three main influences. The first one is our parents, obviously, Mm -hmm. or the people who raise us. The second is a cultural script. So for you, that would be that Mormon religion. Um, And for a lot of people, it's a religious script, or if they come from a certain, you know, country, it's, we, we have a certain cultural script that we follow. Mm -hmm. And then the third is self. So it's our own personality, how we decide to take that information and then create itself. So those three things make us who we are, but the biggest influences are our parents uh, or the people that raise us. And in your case, it's people who had mental illness. They were doing things that probably, as you say, are bad and and things that wouldn't be supported uh, or shouldn't be supported by by people. And you decided to take all of that and hear it and somehow make peace with it um, and be able to continue living your life without taking blame or um, feeling like you're responsible for those things. And I think that's extraordinarily brave. Um, and then you not only have all that, that happens and, and that's enough to just to take someone out, but you've decided now to write a book, uh, and a memoir. So why was it so important for you to put this memoir together? So for probably when I was in about my mid thirties, Um, and really starting to kind of hear, especially from my mom, all the crazy stories of what they went through and, you know, we were going through but didn't understand. I, every time I tell somebody the story, they're like, you have to write a book. This is just too crazy to believe. And I'd be like, oh, that might be kind of fun someday. But, but, you know, so, so every time I tell the story, I still hear that. And at one point I kind of got serious about thinking about it but I was in my second marriage and bless his heart. My husband was at the time was not able to deal with any of this. He came from a very, very traditional kind of normal ish family. And he could not, he could not, it was too hurtful for him to kind of have me talk about all of this and he didn't understand it. And let alone if I brought up the idea of writing about it, he was just like, no, you can't do that. So I didn't, I didn't ever really feel like I had the support there. And then third husband, same kind of thing. <laughs> didn't want to deal with it. Didn't want to even, you know, hear about it, let alone see it in words. And, you know, it probably just wasn't the right time of my life to do it then either. But all the while I've been making notes, gathering information, because someday I knew I was going to write this story. So then, then it turns out my mom actually because we wanted to know more all of us siblings wanted to know more information and she had started taking writing classes and she we asked her to write her story down just kind of a general life sketch well she ended up writing a book and it was never published but it was just for us and it's amazing but I couldn't read it for two years I had to just put it aside because it was too hard so but then then when she and I kind of reconnected, I started talking to her about my desire 
to write a book and she was very supportive and you know shared her books with me and then the ball started rolling and now I'm on my fourth marriage and my husband's very supportive yeah so I'm lucky I'm lucky because I don't think if I I think if I didn't have his support or my family's support that I think you know it would have been a lot harder for me to get through this and he's been five years well we've been married for 10 years but but for five years that I've been writing the book he's just been incredibly supportive and given me a safe space to feel like I can talk about it yeah I think that that is a really important component just for people listening to understand is that to go through something like this is a personal journey but if we are in relationship or have children um, they're kind of automatically involved in how it all plays out and how we decide to interpret the information. And yeah, I can see how some people it would be um, feel shameful or it would be embarrassing or, and I really commend you because that's what the Be Life is all about is honoring women who are just like, well, I can't force you to like it but you also can't force me not to do it. So um, I I just commend you. I think that's so brave and so amazing and um, inspiring because I know there's a lot of people that writing would be healing and therapeutic and they don't have the support at home and it feels stuffy. And I think that probably getting it on paper for you felt easier to move through it. Um, It will never be easy, but at least you could have a place to, to put those emotions. Hey, Bean Babe, I'm sorry to interrupt this super juicy episode. I know you're soaking up every second of it, but before we get back to it, I want to make sure that you're part of the free Beam Life text community. It's super simple. All you have to do is text me Beam to 323-673-2709. That's it. Just text me the word Beam to 323-673-2709. After that, I'll be able to send you pump up texts throughout the week to keep you motivated and truly feel unstoppable. It's also a place where you can send me podcast requests. We can talk back and forth. It's not just a one-way street. And my favorite thing is I get to actually connect with you off of the podcast, off of social media, and it's just me and you being able to uh, hash things out wherever you need support. So I look forward to hearing from you. Text me beam 323-673-2709. Now back to the episode. Um, So when can we expect this book? I know it's, you know, in a good place, but there's still some next steps. Do you have an idea of when you want to release? I would love to release in 2022. That's my goal. So that's my year, whether it's through a traditional publishing company or self-publishing, this is the year. I love it. Yes. We've got to get it out there. Yeah. It's finished. (laughs) It's, it's damn near perfect. It's not perfect, but it's close. So I feel like, I feel like now is the year to get, get working on getting it published. Totally. The next thing that kind of comes to mind that I'd love to ask you about and elaborate on is forgiveness. Um, And this is a really important topic that I don't think I've ever Mm -hmm. talked about on a podcast with any of my guests. Um, But I feel like you might have some advice (laughs) because you've probably had to do a lot of forgiving. (laughs) Yeah, a lot. 
Yes, so, I've had some practice in. <laughs> yeah. So how has that, you know, it's one thing to forgive for something minor, but you're now finding out your entire 35 years at this point when you found out has pretty much been lies, like built on so many lies. Um, right. How do you even begin that forgiveness process? I mean, I can't imagine. Yeah, well, thank you. I, yeah, as a, as a kid and as a, even, you know, in my younger adult years, I, I knew I had all this like anger and rage in me, but I tried to keep all that suppressed all the time, you know, which is a good thing. Yes. But I, but I really, I could kind of just feel things boiling up, up in me a lot and kind of felt like I had this, like a hole in me that I didn't, I tried to fill with so many different things, either food or relationships or distractions or whatever. So I knew there was some kind of a void, but I didn't really understand what it was until I started, you know, down this path. Um, but I knew it was not my authentic self to be angry and to be mm. resentful and mad at people. Cause I'm, I'm really very much a um, kind of just a people person. My whole life revolves around the people in my life, my relationships. Yes. It's just one of my core things. And I knew it wasn't my natural instinct to be angry and unhappy. And um, so the good thing about being raised Mormon is you get a lot of talk and kind of encouragement in forgiveness and um, plus just all the therapy that I had done and I've done a lot of kind of, uh, you know, other forms of therapy, um, to heal my inner child, so to speak. Yeah. So I knew that for me to move on and my biggest motivation for, for healing is for my kids and my grandchildren and, the next generations to be slightly healthier than me. That would just be yes. amazing for me. So I knew that I had to forgive first myself for, you know, feeling anger and resentment against all those people that have betrayed me and hurt me, but feeling just forgiving myself first. And then, yeah, just knowing that my parents, because they were ill, they did the best they could. I just, it was so easy to release them of, you know, my anger and upset them, just forgive them. And I know they loved me in the only way they knew yes. how, and they did try. Yes. And it wasn't all bad. Um, right. I know they loved me. And once I really got down to the core of they love me, they're just sick, then it's easy to forgive them for me. Right. Yeah. I think you said two really important things. And number one is you forgave yourself. Um, I think that when it comes down pretty much to anything, we have to start inside before we can start working outside. So I love that you, you said that out loud for listeners to kind of pick up on if someone is struggling with forgiveness right now in their life. Um, and, you know, cause I know that there are a lot of people, cause I have a closed community and people share some pretty vulnerable things. And it's really hard when something traumatic happens to us, whether as children or adults, whatever, to not blame ourselves, you know, and, um, and how that manifests looks different for all of us, but to start mm -hmm. inside is so important. 
And the other thing I love that you said is realizing and recognizing that the people around you, whoever it is, in your case, it's your parents, um, did the best they could. And it's really hard to truly be mad at someone when you know all they were doing was the best you can. Was it the best you could do? No. Would you have loved better? Sure. But at that moment in time, they were using the tools they had with their, you know, mental illness to do what they could as parents. And whether it was good or bad is not neither here nor there. It's the fact that they were doing what they could. So huge, huge, um, amazing advice because I know being, I'm a child of divorce and and I know both my parents blame themselves for certain things. And Mm -hmm. I try to release that burden from them as well. Like guys, you know, everyone goes through things and we're all great. We're fine. You know? Um, and we forgive you for what you did and, and for getting divorced and far worse things could happen and it's okay. You know, it's okay. So you're doing the best you can. And and now as a mom, I feel like, okay, I need to teach my child that because there will be many things I mess up on. (laughs) Right. They're going to need to use that tool later on. (laughs) Totally. Like mom was just doing the best she could. So You mentioned also that being raised Mormon, you know, you were given lots of talks on forgiveness. How else was being raised very Mormon? Because as you said, Canon was a, a huge Mormon name and family. And, you know, for your whole life, you were pretty much, were you, you born Mormon, raised Mormon, all of that? No. Kind of? <laughs> it's so? kind of complicated too. Sure. So how how is it complicated? What how And what parts of it? has stuck with you? Cause are you still practicing? Are you Mormon now? Okay. No, I didn't think so. No. Um, so how, what have you taken from that into how you are now and how did that play a part in all of this? Okay. So when we were really young, my parents, of course, you know, they were, they were living a very wild lifestyle when they were having children and They were both raised Mormon, but as soon as they got married, which they were 17 and 18 years old, they moved out of state. And of course, then they were out of the watching eye of their parents. So I think they decided to sow their oats, you know, as a couple. Yes. Um, So they were living, you know, kind of a crazy wild lifestyle. And so they didn't take us to church uh, until they moved back to Salt Lake. And I think my grandparents took us to church a few times that I can okay. remember, but it's not like we were every Sunday and, you know, being, you know, um, indoctrinated. I'll try to think of a respectful word yes. <laughs> into the, to the religion. We were exposed and what we were exposed to, I kind of liked because it was like we went to primary and sang songs and had friends and we got to clean up. So, so those yes. were the good things about what I remember about church in my younger years but it was when my dad remarried because my mom left him and all six kids when I was six and then a year and a half later he married her sister (laughs) my mom's sister I'm like we think we've heard it all folks just wait yeah (laughs) (laughs) so anyway she was really LDS Mormon and so then once they got married, then we were like thrown right into this totally different world of, of strict Mormonism. Gotcha. And yes. And then 
she had money, so we got to move to a nicer area of Salt Lake and it's where a lot of, you know, kind of prominent Mormon leaders lived. And so we had to, we kind of had to toe the line. And I being kind of the scrappy little kid, um, yes, tried to buck the system a little bit until I figured it was kind of useless and gave into it. But most of my experience in my youth with the Mormon church was good because it's all I knew. And, right. um, you know, again, I was in it for the social reasons and friends and, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. I never, ever did really care enough to even study the doctrine because it was just sure. boring to me. It's still yeah. boring to me. <laughs> I don't like totally. to read about it. Yeah. So I just, I never really bought into it, but socially I did. Gotcha. And then I was expected to get married in the temple. So that happened. But after my first divorce, I really haven't been involved in the church since then. So I, yeah. And I think it's really, um, religion plays a huge part in many people's childhood. Um, yeah. and I, I have that interwoven through mine in different ways. I was baptized Greek Orthodox and then, you know, went to mm-hmm. Methodist church. And so I have got all of these, um, you know, kind of religious flows through pieces as well. And so I find it fascinating, but the biggest thing I've taken with me is just a general principle of faith and, you know, just having that guiding foundation of, okay, what's my true North and how to tap into that. And I think that's important. So I'm always fascinated when people have a major religious background and break free or choose a different religion how that has manifested. Cause I, I find religion in general, just fascinating. Um, I do too. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy how it, it yeah. can change and move and bring people together yeah. and completely separate people at the same time. Right. So it's a beautiful thing. And that I'm like, religion can be its yeah. own whole podcast. Um, totally. <laughs> so what is next for you? Because now you've got your book pretty completed. You seem to have gotten most of the story for what you know, you know, most of the story mm-hmm. worked through a lot of the pieces. What's next in life? Well, I'm encouraged about what's next because to me, it's all uphill from here. Yes. I know there will be some more heartache and things like that, but I, I feel like um, I'm at a point in my life where my kids are all raised. They're happy, healthy parents. It's so fun for me to see them succeeding as parents, which is kind of a miracle to me because <laughs> I didn't yes. I didn't know that that would ever, um, that I'd ever even be able to be a successful parent myself, let alone have my kids be healthy and happy. Be successful, and, yeah. Yeah. And they're working, they're working on their stuff all the time. And it's just, it's so, I'm so grateful to, to get to watch them do their lives and figure their lives out and raise these amazing children that I just, I can't wait for this next part of life to just spend as much time as I can with them and love them as much as possible. And yeah, just, I'm living my best life or retire, totally get to play a lot, travel. So yeah, I'm really, really a grateful, grateful recovering person. (laughs) Yes. And I love that. And I'm not at all, 
surprised that they are successful parents because you are a brave, resilient, strong woman. I don't know a lot of people who are courageous enough to share these stories, especially write about it, talk about it and, (laughs) and own it, truly own it. What, and I know that's taken work and what, if you could kind of think of one thing, because it's probably hard to think of one, but if someone listening, and I know all of us have their own trauma is trying to sift through something that happened pretty major in their life. And they're at a struggling point. What is Mm -hmm. a piece of advice you would give them? Probably the best piece of advice I'd have and something that I've been told over and over, it took me a long time to believe it is know that you deserve to be happy and that Mm. you deserve a good, abundant, happy life. Yes. Knowing that you deserve something is huge because, you know, it's it just really sets you up for, well, if so-and-so deserves it and so-and-so, then why don't I? Why don't I deserve to be yes. happy? And we all do. We all deserve it. And, you know, I, I'm a huge believer in just knowing that you deserve it and loving yourself enough to go after it. Amen to that. I love it so much. It's, yeah. <laughs> we we learn so much from all that we go through. And I truly believe that all experiences are just building blocks. And I learned so much right. from all the interviews I do and all the podcasts and the wonderful, incredible women I get to meet. And I would say that's a common theme is not only, and like you said, not just hearing it, but believing right. it. And mm-hmm. truly embodying what it feels like to deserve something is so different than just being like, yeah, yeah, okay, I've heard that before. So right. I like that you you said not just hearing it, but believing it so different. Yeah. So yeah. I know people are gonna wanna like sprint to the bookstore as soon as your book <laughs> is out because it's it's like so juicy. You really don't even believe you're like, no, yeah. no, no. <laughs> So how can listeners find you on social or website or what is the details on how to find Diana? Okay. So yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of um, in transition with all that, but right now, and I would love it if people were able to find me on, I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Diana Cannon Ragsdale. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. Okay. We'll put it all in I have an Instagram and a Facebook and people can follow me. And then I'm in the middle of uh, getting a website design done and I'll be improving my social media, you know, content and Perfect. posting more things, but that's where people can find me. And I would love any followers. It'd be fun to Connect, see all that yeah. develop. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I know, the, the greatest thing is because I work with a lot of authors, as you know, and one of the biggest things they love, and, and I think it's empowering, is how their story has impacted and shown up in someone else's life. So I know you're going to get so much of, wow, I totally resonated with your story because blah, blah, blah happened right. to me. And thank you. And it was healing for me to read someone else going through it because when we when we read stories similar or in probably your case, much worse than our own story, what we think is bad. And then we read a story like yours, like, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm I'm all right, is knowing we're not alone. You know, that's that's a huge um, piece. So before we wrap everything up, it's 
my favorite part of the podcast is where we get to know you a little bit better and that's through our lightning round. So it's 11 questions, um, answer whatever first comes to mind and again, it can be short and quick and we just kind of go through them and it's better to know who Diana is and get some personal fun things and less heavy topics. So my first question is a beam babe is. Truthful. Love that. Favorite song that always makes you dance. Anything Michael Jackson. (laughs) That's (laughs) going to show my age. (laughs) Um, Michael Jackson is timeless. Timeless. Yeah, I can't sit still. (laughs) What are you currently reading? I'm reading John Grisham's Camino Wins. I Hmm. love thrillers, murder mysteries. (laughs) Yeah, I am in the opposite camp. If I read a thriller book, all the lights have to be on. It has to be middle of the day. (laughs) Cannot. (laughs) Thrillers scare me. Um, (laughs) A beam babe that inspires you. Oh boy, there's so many, but really any person who's authentic and real. Yes. Um, but, you know, I mean, do you want me to give you anybody specific on your Bean Babe podcast? What? Nope, it's whatever comes to mind to you. So that is a great answer. Okay. Yeah, anyone anybody who's that's authentic. authentic. Yes. Mm-hmm. And last thing that made you feel grateful? Being outdoors kind of my my religion yeah. my happy place so I, I golfed yesterday and I was in Park City and could not believe the beauty around me and I just it inspires yeah. me and makes me feel grateful and I'm jealous you get the four seasons there we don't get that oh, up here in California so gorgeous right now yeah yeah <laughs> so jealous um what when are you most inspired when probably when I'm with my people, my family, especially um, watching my kids, they inspire me. I know it's supposed to be the other way around. I love it, but my children inspire me. <laughs> what always makes you laugh? Uh, my grandkids, because <laughs> they're little and they say the most hilarious things, and they're so honest. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. What is your favorite meal or food? Uh, A good Italian dinner with a really expensive red wine. (laughs) Yes, I'm all about the wine. If you could raid anyone's closet, who would it be? Uh, Anybody but mine. (laughs) I would have to say, oh, I love fashion. You know, okay, this is going to seem weird, but Jennifer Aniston. I oh my love God. the way she dresses. The best. And it's so funny. The podcast I released today was this adorable, super sweet, holistic nutritionist. She said the same thing. Jennifer Aniston. Really? I love it. Oh, yeah. that's funny. She always looks amazing. She always. And it's like black, yeah. but she looks fantastic. Right. Yeah. Whether it's casual or dressed yeah. up, she looks amazing. What is your guilty pleasure? Cookies. 100% cookies. <laughs> and lastly, okay. what? Okay, go, let's go ahead. No, 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 that's it. And what always makes you, Diana, beam? Uh, 
what makes me beam. Uh, when I'm with my people, my my favorite people, friends, family, Love my it. husband. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it should be. I am so grateful for you taking the time to share your story and to be so honest and vulnerable and brave. Like I've said a couple of times, it's, um, it's hard to do that. And, and it's, you know, takes just a lot of guts to show up and be yourself, whether or not people like it or don't, you are blazing your own path and living your best life and, it's contagious. Bravery is contagious. So thank you so much, Diana. I'm so grateful that we know each other now and that I I get to be part of sharing your journey and story. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Have a great day. Bye. You are the best bean babe. Thanks for listening to my podcast. If you love this episode, it would mean so much if you would share it with another Beam Babe or post it on social and tag me at The Beam Life so I can tell you thank you for helping me share the mission. You can also send me a text, yes, a real text, to 323-673-2709 where we can connect outside of the podcast. You can either chat with me one-on-one or just receive the weekly text I send to beam you up throughout your week. Anyways, it's been fun as always, and I'm honored to be a part of your journey. Until next time, keep beaming, babe.